Welcome to Dogs On Air, the podcast that focuses on you and your dog. I'm fascinated with dogs and one of my favourite things to do is to just stand back and watch dogs do what they do. It can make you laugh, it can surprise you, but it's never less than amazing. In my work as a dog trainer, I'm learning more all the time about dogs and, of course, about their owners. Scientists, vets and behaviourists are also learning more about where dogs came from and why they do what they do. In this podcast, I want to share with you all the things I'm discovering and have some fun along the way too. We'll talk about breeds of dogs, about food and how it affects your dog, shopping for your dogs plus important news on dogs' health. We can share our best walks and top tips about our dogs too. I'd love to know your favourite places and why you chose your dog. Come along with me as we share our favourite passion. This is Dogs On Air. In this festive edition, we get some great advice from the PDSA on how to keep our dogs out of danger at Christmas. We find out what the ideal Dachshund owner looks like and we talk to a cockapoo owner all about the joys and challenges of owning one. Well, Christmas is now just around the corner and it can be a magical time for us humans, but it can also be a stressful and perhaps even dangerous time for our dogs. Nina Downing is a PDSA vet nurse and she's going to help us keep our dogs safe during the festivities. Hello. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Ah, it's a pleasure. Now, I think most people will know that there are certain foods that are bad for dogs, but there are also some hidden dangers that people might not think about too. So should we should we start with foods first and, and just let us know what we shouldn't give to our dogs or in fact, what we shouldn't allow our dogs to find during this sort of Christmas period? There are loads of different foods that actually that we, we eat all the time and we wouldn't really think that they would be a problem for our pets, but actually they can be. So chocolate is really obvious. Loads of people are aware of chocolate now. But they need to be aware that the dark chocolate is really, really dangerous, as as are cocoa in cakes or in biscuits, things like that. So they're really high in in the active ingredient that causes the problems with our dogs. So uh, raisins, currants. Things oh, like there's that. lots of those around at Christmas. Mince pies, <laughs> absolutely. You have to think of mince pies, chocolate cake, uh, Christmas cake. So if, if your dog's anything like mine, if you leave your Christmas cake on the table, you know, you have to make sure that they, they can't have access to them because otherwise they might get up there and swipe them. But also you've got to think about what's coming through your post box if you're getting Christmas presents delivered. You know, if kind people are sending Good you boxes of chocolate through the post or you're putting these presents underneath the Christmas tree and your dogs are a bit bored and they're deciding to go for a little sniff around the base of the Christmas <laughs> tree, that, you know, that could lead to disaster. Also, you're thinking about chocolates hanging on, on the Christmas tree. So, you know, there's a lot of chocolate coins around, the little dangly Christmas de- chocolate decorations. Dogs can have a field day sniffing those out. So there's very much those. And then there's, the, of course, the lovely cakes that you can get that also might be given as gifts at this time of year. But then you have to also consider um, your Christmas dinner. So as much as we adore a Christmas dinner and the smells are amazing and our dogs really want to get in there and join in with us, 
we have to be a little bit aware that um, anything too rich can really upset their tummies and if they have too much fat um, then they're all, all, also at risk of developing something called pancreatitis which can be really really dangerous for them. So have to be considerate of what we're feeding our pets. There are all sorts of things on our Christmas plate that could cause a problem for our pets. So gravy, it's very high in fat, very salty, so that's, that's not a good idea to be giving to our pets. The stuffing include um, will have onions in them or even garlic, so you want to be avoiding those. Mm. Roast potatoes, they've been in the oven and they've been usually cooked with goose fat or, or oil or whatever, and that again, is a risk of pancreatitis if they eat too much of those and mm. um, also be aware because this caught me out one year because i didn't want to put fat down the drain i um actually <laughs> buried the fat from my stupidly from my roasting tin in the garden and the dog went out to the toilet and found it next <laughs> a lot and ended up in the vets with pancreatitis oh, no. so that's a real no-no from my point of view i'm always very much aware of that so if you want to give anything, just a nice bit of white lean turkey, mm. you know, and some of the bo um, boiled or steamed vegetables, that's nice, that's fine. They'll feel like they're part of the family and enjoying yeah. it. But just and don't it's different, do isn't it? it? It's different from the normal thing that they're going to have. Yeah. So. And if you're not, and if you've only given a small amount, hopefully it won't cause them too much of an upset tummy. But if you have got a dog that's got a very sensitive tummy, just avoid it. And perhaps instead have a nice toy on hand instead to just distract them and make them feel a little bit special hmm. now there are um, other things that come into our houses at christmas aren't they that um, we might not normally have there and that are pretty dangerous for dogs well you have to think about your christmas decorations that are coming into the into the house christmas plants you know all those sort of things they're all new and they're exciting and our dogs they all want to go and investigate and find out what's what um yeah it, it seems it's such a shame but even even the christmas lights that go on your tree they've got a nice cable and they have nice and sparkly and shiny and they're very tempting for little dogs and we all know that dogs like to investigate things with their mouths so chewing on christmas lights is not a good idea so no. you know if you're going to be choosing christmas lights of course we all want to decorate our tree maybe consider um making sure that they're at the top end of the tree so that they're out of reach for a start and if you're going to have them maybe just to be on the safe side use um battery uh lights so they're not connected to the mains for a start but make sure those battery packs are well out of out of reach as well you don't want your pets chewing on any of those either if you're uh, you're using baubles just remember that the very good quality baubles are glass. And I know that a couple of times my dogs have found them on the floor and decided to play ping pong with them around the carpet, you know, and that leads to disaster. So you don't want cut pads, you don't want cut mouths. So mm. be very much aware of things like that. But also you want to consider if you've got a, um, a real tree, if you've got them in a bucket of water, hopefully the tree won't have been treated with anything but you never quite know so what you don't want them to be doing is point. drinking the water um from the pine tree of course you've got a bit of sap in there that might just upset mm. their tummies anyway but of course if there's any additives that's been put onto the tree you don't want that filtering into the water and your dog's drinking it so you know you can get around that by putting a tree skirt in yeah um over there so that would be quite a good idea 
Also, you've got to consider the type of plants that you're bringing into the into your house. Mm. So, there's beautiful red of the poncietas. They're gorgeous. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, but they're toxic to pets, unfortunately. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, so you have to consider you're bringing holly in, you're bringing mistletoe in, you know, all those sort of things. And the, um, the holly berries drop off and, the, you know, same with mistletoe. So you've just got to be really aware of some of the plants that you're bringing in aren't necessarily good for your dogs. Mm. You can still have them, just make sure that they're out of the way and that you're aware that these things are toxic. So you took them away so that even if the berries do happen to drop off, they're dropping off onto a shelf and not onto your floor where your dog can have access to them. Mm. Now, uh, we always offer each other peace and joy at Christmas, um, but I'm not sure that we necessarily think about our dogs. And I must admit, I say to all my owners, just give your dog some time out at Christmas because it's such a busy time for them, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's also a bit odd. So they've got used to, especially over the last couple of years, we've really got used to our, our, a different way of going about, haven't we? We haven't necessarily had as many guests over. That's true, um, yeah. And all of a sudden, if we're starting to open our doors to people, I know we're going to have to be really careful again this year, but strange faces, strange people, all of a sudden there's an upset to their routine, um, new people at the door, it can really be unsettling for them. So you have to take that into consideration. Try really hard to stick to their routine as much as you possibly can. Um, it's such a busy time of the year and you're trying to fit so much in. But it, 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 will, it will help if you manage to keep their routine as normal as possible because otherwise they can get very unsettled and upset. And then they can start doing things that they wouldn't normally do and may demonstrate behaviours behaviors that they wouldn't normally show yeah. um, because of the upset. So you have to consider that. But a good trick is to create a nice den for them so that they can go somewhere that is completely theirs. So if they can tuck away into a nice corner where it's covered over, they've got their toys, they could go for some time out so that if it was all the hubbub going on, actually, they might just you might just find they slink off and go into their own little yeah. hidey hole. And that's a good thing for them. Hmm. Um, but making sure that you keep their exercise up to up to date and you you're not slacking off on that, because apart from anything, they do get a bit bored. There's yeah. an awful lot going on. They can also go the other ex extreme where they get a little bit heightened they they get a little bit excited by it all um so if you can make sure that they have their exercise hopefully that should keep their their behavior nice and calm and steady and they behave like they normally do yeah good for us too to walk off the turkey Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, hope, I'm hoping for a really nice crisp one so you can do a lovely long walk. So. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it just? I was going to say, we, we always think about people in hospital at Christmas, but of course, uh, animals have to sometimes stay in vets and in, in hospitals over Christmas. So um, mm. will, will the PDSA be working? Will you be working over Christmas? We're always working, 24 hours, <laughs> days a week. We're always on duty. I'm working over Christmas as well. So, yeah, we have our pet hospitals going all the way around. You know, we, it's, we're never off duty with regards to pets, are we? We don't mind, actually. It's quite nice. Um, I always used to opt to work Christmas Day because I always felt it was really special. We have lovely camaraderie amongst the team. Yeah. And it's so nice. We try so desperately hard to get pets home for Christmas if we can. Great. Well, I think you're always overlooked, vets and nurses, what you do for us at Christmas. So thank you guys for what you do. Um, I hope you have a chance to have a, a nice Christmas as well. Oh, and, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. you for all your great advice. It's been absolutely brilliant. You're most welcome. Thank you. 
Nina Downing from the PDSA. Now we have a chance to find out all about. In this item, we want to find out more about specific breeds from their owners. Cockapoos are one of the most popular dogs in the UK. I've certainly trained my fair share. But why are they so popular? I am delighted to be joined by owner Geraldine Perrier to tell us more. I asked her first, why did you choose a cockapoo? We really researched the breeds we wanted to have for our family. So we wanted a smaller breed. We wanted a dog that didn't shed a lot of hair. We wanted a dog that was quite intelligent and good temperament. And after an extensive search, we felt that the cockapoo ticked all the boxes for us, really. And now you have Coco. Now we have Coco. (laughs) Is Coco um, owning Coco as you would imagine it was going to be? It's it's better than we thought it would be. Definitely better. We we never realised how much she would be part of our little family unit. She she knows she knows her place in as a family member, definitely. Really, really good. Oh, it's lovely to hear that. And what do you think the best thing is about a cockapoo and specifically obviously Coco? Coco is is very special, as you know. <laughs> and um the best thing about Coco is how intelligent she is. She is extremely intelligent and very um very sensitive to emotions as well. So I think she she fits in perfectly with us. She's just, she's wonderful, really oh. wonderful. So was there anything unexpected about owning a cockapoo in particular that, that you'd done your research but you didn't quite realise? How intelligent they are mm-hmm. and how quickly they are at getting things. Um, obviously, you gave us the tools to be able to <laughs> deal with Coco and it was vital for us really because you not only trained Coco but you trained us as well. Um <laughs> But it's how intelligent she is, really, really intelligent dog. So mm. that was for, for us quite unexpected how much she understood. What was the hardest thing for you about having a, a puppy in the house, something that you just didn't know was going to happen? I didn't realise it was like having a baby. <laughs> it was this constant attention and the constant picking up toys. It felt, it really felt like having a baby, mm. but it was the non-stop attention we had to give her, which wasn't expected for, for us, definitely. And that gets better, doesn't it? It gets better. Now she is much, much better. She's three years old and she's going to be four next month. Wow. Um, and it gets better. But the first year, I think it, it's really demanding. You have to put in the work and you have to constantly be there, just like a little baby where they, they want your attention all the time. Yeah. So that wasn't expected for us. Is there anything you'd do differently if you had another puppy now? Is there anything you you could give advice on? Something you 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 found worked really well? You. <laughs> people will think this is a set up interview. <laughs> it's not, but you changed our lives definitely. So I think this is the only thing I can recommend to people to definitely go to puppy classes. You give us the tools to be able to deal with her. And this has stayed with us throughout all the years. So this is the only thing that, well, I wouldn't do differently. I would definitely recommend to have puppy classes. That's the only thing. 
And is that because it helped you understand the dog's needs, particularly because you start to think about the dog rather than your life, really? And how to use the commands, how to, as a family, how we need to all use the same words. And these are things we didn't know because it was, Coco was our first puppy. So we didn't really know how, we made it up as we went along until we met you. (laughs) So, yeah, so I think this is the thing we would not do differently but recommend definitely yeah. to go and do puppy classes sometimes the, the, the thing that people find most different um, and I know it's a few years ago now is, is sort of toilet training that kind of thing did did you find any sort of particular tricks for that we used one word so the constant use of the same term and mm. just took her to the same spot all the time so we chose where we wanted her to be able to do it and where it would fit with us. And that seemed to work very well for mm. us. And she seemed to get it quite quickly. So I think the breeder must have had a, must have trained her initially before she came to us because she was pretty much there already with the toilet training. Mm. So we just reinforced where we wanted it to happen in our uh, environment yeah. And she got it very quickly. So I think we got Coco in April. So it was the perfect time of the year. It was yeah. easier yeah. to go outdoors. So I think there's a lot of things to take in consideration when you you do want a puppy. Mm. The time of the year is definitely one to consider where it's easier to go out and and train them as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Actually, talking about breeders too, did you find you had to do a lot? I mean, obviously you got your puppy pre-lockdown, but did Mm -hmm. you find you did a lot of research to to find the best place to get your dog from? Yes, we did. We did. It took us a long time. We it wasn't a decision we took lightly. We wanted to really research the breeds, the, the the breeders, and we wanted a breeder who not only not it wasn't only for the money. It was for the welfare of the animals as well and they were mm. interested to know about where they went and they wanted us to keep us keep in touch with um, our progress so there was a lot that we wanted from the breeder side as well so i'm going to put you on the spot here three oh, words dear. three words to describe a cockapoo intelligent yes playful mm-hmm. loyal lovely yeah. or sensitive Yes, there's, a lot of, there's so many words to describe a cockapoo, but mm. these are the, the three words that come to mind first, definitely. I think I would add in nippy. I hadn't realised. <laughs> I don't mean nippy as in biting. I just mean nippy as in fast. I had never realised oh. before I started training the raft of cockapoos that have come how fast they are. They have a zoom along all the time and <laughs> they have their moments, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and lastly, Coco, the most beautiful name for a dog. Um, why did you choose it? How did you choose it? Well, Coco is a term we use in Mauritius. So I'm from Mauritius and mm-hmm. this is a term, just like here you use lovely or hello, lovely, hello, darling. Ah. So it's a, it's a term of affection in Mauritius where you, you call someone Coco when it's, it shows very, when you're affectionate towards someone. Ah. So my grandmother used to call me Coco and I think, you know, all of us, we've had aunties or calling us Coco. So it seemed appropriate that she had a little bit of a Mauritian connection there as well. 
Geraldine Perrier there telling us all about cockapoos and making me blush a bit too. Now, are you looking for a puppy in the new year or are you already a Dachshund owner? Our next item is just for you. We find out from Sharon Alton, who's a Dachshund specialist, what makes the perfect owner for a Dachshund. And we also explore some common health issues for the breed. I asked Sharon first, what's the best thing that an owner can do for a Dachshund? Mental stimulation. They are a hound. They love anything scent work, uh, scent driven. So, you know, whether it's actively doing scent work activities or um, tracking, man trailing. I've done all of those with my Daxies and they're phenomenal at it because it taps into that nose. Their nose is incredibly yeah. strong. They are incredibly active. Now, as with all breeds, you, you restrict their exercise whilst they're growing to protect their bones. But a lot of people say, oh, they don't need to, they can't walk that far. They absolutely can, you know, they, they can do, not necessarily mountains because they can't jump the jumps, but um, they can go out hiking and if you build it up correctly, they're an incredibly active breed. Similarly, though, you can, you get what you put in. So if you want a bit of a couch potato, don't stand there throwing a ball for it constantly because you're going to create an athlete. I, ideal world and an owner you know, is, is able to provide that and a family is able to provide constructive um, mental stimulation and physical activity. Um, but one thing I think that we all forget as professionals is we, we often drive home the need for activity, mental and physical activity, but we forget that we need to teach people how to do calm stuff and teach the dogs to be relaxed indoors mm. um, and and that's similarly we I am seeing a lot of very hyperactive dachshunds that are then getting frustrated and biting yeah. because they're the owners are great they're so driven on the mental stimulation but they forget we need the calm too so it's mm. somebody who's open to learning and making mistakes and able to provide that stimulation they're not great at being left for long periods they can can learn it um, but they are velcro dogs they do like companionship mm -hmm. um, so ideally someone who is around not necessarily all the time but um, is available yeah. um, and as someone who has patience because they are not easy they they are prone to unfortunately barking is something that it's not hand in hand with the dachshund but it is one of the more prominent things they are bred to bark they're bred to bark to indicate they found their prey um and with the surplus of breeding you know temperament isn't really looked at as much yeah. as it should be yeah. and we are seeing a lot of very nervous and anxious dachshunds so yeah. owners need to be aware of that from the beginning and start putting things into place to build confidence from day one yeah. so you're also um involved in dachshund's health Mm -hmm. um, and I think one of the things that has really sort of gone by the wayside while people have been searching for any Dachshund, literally, yeah. is the, the sort of health checks you have to do because they are yeah. prone to some quite serious health issues, aren't they? Yeah, more on the rise, um, more unusual, rare things. I've got a selection of them here through rescue. Um, the IVDD is the most prominent um, issue, so that's the back issue um, that they get. and. Um, Cambridge are doing some re wonderful research into it but uh, I'm going to steal Sam's comparison to a jam donut so that's where the disc is a jam donut and it, you know for whatever reason it ruptures and the jam goes all over the cord um, and then that that impact you know compresses the cord and can cause paralysis now it used to be a death sentence and it's not now um, I, I've rehabbed probably 11 dogs some have had surgery some haven't 
so people need to consider that and in one of the considerations that they need to be thinking about with the breed it's not necessarily just the finances of could they afford surgery are they insured but have they got the time to re rehabilitate them yeah, afterwards mm -hmm. um so that is a consideration to have but um we are pushing for screening now for breeding um you know the parents um to to see if there is a um something we can do from that perspective um, yeah. and there are some there is a really good scheme available now um for back scoring much like you would do with other breeds with yeah. hips and stuff yeah. so we are scoring backs now um and hopefully that will gain momentum as we move forward to the future um there are other things cropping up like queen anne legs and carp i'll try and pronounce this correctly and i never can Car carpus valgus um, which yeah. is yeah. The, the incorrect turning of the, of the feet um yeah. and these are things we're seeing you're seeing a lot of bow backs where the dog's backs are arched as well now whether that leads to ivdd i don't know um but um we're, we're moving away from matching dogs according to strengths and faults and just doing you know pet matings where it might be all oh, they're nice together and i just want yeah. a litter but we're not considering the genetics behind it and i think that's what's fueling all of these health issues and not just the ones that we can see there's there's things like liver shunts neurological issues sight issues all sorts of things coming up that are new and unknown as i say i've got three of those so that i'm rehabbing so yeah it's worrying which not, is worrying. Not for the faint-hearted then. So, so I mean, mm. I think if you're going to get a Dachshund, it's, it's homework, 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 isn't it? Absolutely. Like, and good insurance, you know, making sure you've got top, top cover and, um, you know, they're fed a good diet, they're active, they're fit, they're, they're not, not skinny but slim and lean. Um, you know, the Dachshund Breed Council have got their website and Dachshund Health UK, their websites are phenomenal for all the research um, and guidance and, and advice, even just for potential owners to research the breed. Thanks to Sharon Alton there. And in case you wondered, those websites again are daxhundbreedcouncil, that's all one word, dot wordpress.com. And she mentioned also daxhundhealth, all one word again, dot org dot uk. Well, that's it for this festive edition of Dogs On Air. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a very happy Christmas with some lovely walks and I'll be back in the new year with some more Dogs On Air. <laughs>